0: Welcome to episode 761 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, too. Welcome along to episode seven hundred and sixty-one of I am talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Owes. How you going, mate?
1: Pretty good, Bevan.
0: You got you got all dirt on your forehead. What's what's happening? I don't know.
1: Do not know. Uh, probably off my bike helmet or something like that. Well you need to clean a bike helmet. Mm, I've had a swim this morning. I'm nice and clean. Well, obviously you're not. Swimming under the stars this morning. It was quite cool. Yeah, how so, okay, how,
0: long, how much long is that pool open
1: for? Well, I wasn't gonna swim this morning, <laughs> but I got peer pressured into it. Okay. And uh doing a bit of backstroke though, it was pretty cool. Swimming with the stars. Because it's getting, it's
0: getting dark, not getting light to about closer to 7 o'clock now, is it? Yep. Jeepers, creepers, you're swimming with the stars, did you say? Yeah.
1: Right. Well, not with the stars, under the stars. Oh, who are we swimming with? Me and Nicole were in the far same day, just pounding it out, both of us swimming pretty good. Very good. John's swim set's coming up later. Oh, I tell you, people are, people are already emailing for it, John. Well, that's why it's under questions and answers. Oh, there we go. We get a lot.
0: Uh, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by...
1: Our awesome patrons. And I'll go
0: with Linda, Blades of Glory Row.
1: Chris, the judge, Hague.
0: This is actually quite funny because Darren, Breaking Bad, Crenston. Now, guys, if you like Breaking Bad and the judge is kind of what, you know, I know Chris is the judge and Darren yeah. is Breaking Bad, but obviously because of because of Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. he's, we're watching new series on something right now called Your Honour, mm-hmm. where Brian Cranston is a judge. Highly recommend. Mm. Oh, highly recommend. Right. I just recommend. Highly. highly recommend. Righty-high. <laughs> so you can check that out. And lastly, we have...
1: Scott, the Minister Morrison. The Minister Morrison. This week, news, we've got, oh, this week we've got some news. We've got a hot topic. We've got a Coach's Corner. Sub, sub that in for we week. We had a different interview lined up. But that's hopefully coming up next week. So we'll do a little segment on brick sessions, which is kind of simple, but then... We got a little bit deeper. And then luckily, we had an interview backed up with who? With Dirk Friel from Training Peaks we did last week. Yep, he's a good man.
0: Uh, questions and answers, Website of the Week and Wanger of the Week as well. John, we've got Challenge Miami coming up this weekend. It's the, it's the, the Mano Mano, Legends of Legends. It's a very good field. Tell us about the day.
1: I'm pretty excited, except... I'm probably not going to be able to watch it at least live because I'm be organising an event this weekend. But other than, outside of that, it's going to be awesome. What time is your event on Sunday or Saturday? It is on Sunday. This will be uh, in New Zealand. It'll be Saturday morning. So I might catch a little bit of it, but I'll probably be pretty frantic sort of uh, yep. getting ready. So Challenge Miami, it's um, a little bit shorter than Challenge Daytona, which we had uh, on the racetrack late last year. So it's a 1.5k swim. Um, so for Americans, it's around about one mile. Uh, it's a 60km bike, which is 37 miles. It's 17. Laps around the 17 course. Seventeen laps. So it must be quite a bit shorter course than Daytona, because I don't recall how many laps I did there. But it, it just seems, given it's a, it's shorter. Uh, Seventeen laps, quite a few. But hey, it's going to be good. I think a few people will get lapped out. Uh, are they get, Are they doing lapped lap out? Uh, no, I don't think yeah. they are. But a few people will get lapped and then a 16.9 kilometre run uh, which is 10.5 miles, uh, 7 laps. So overall a little bit shorter than Daytona which was a 2k, 80k, 18k to make it a 100k kilometre race. There's only 50k prize money which is better than a lot of races but nothing compared to like the million dollar payday we had back in December Um, so it's a Friday afternoon and evening race the time zones I've got set up here really really good Torsten's got it up on his try rating but it kind of fits for almost everybody probably except for Asia so in New Zealand it's a a 7am start time for us Uh, so Aussies got to get up a little bit earlier but in Europe it's like a 6 or 7pm start time so I'm sure they intentionally did that for the European market but Friday night um, yeah I'd love awesome. to know uh,
0: two things. Um, that sixty—that's the three point five k lap. So I'm thinking Daytona probably more than that, isn't it?
1: Mm, must be. Yeah. Well, just um, it may not be. You can maybe search it up, Bevan, while I talk. Um, h- how long is the the Daytona racetrack? Okay. Uh, it's going to be produced live on Facebook Live, uh, so using the same crew that did Challenge Daytona. So overall, they did a pretty bloody good job, uh, down there. So looking forward to seeing, um, yeah, you know, what the coverage looks like, and if it's on Facebook Live, you can go back and watch it later, can't you? Facebook live, yeah, 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 yeah. so that'll be cool. So if you can't watch live, go back and see it. Field is uh is awesome, really, really
0: just Daytona 6.3, 6.1, yeah, so
1: it's significantly longer, yeah. Uh, so the field, um, hopefully, Jan Fredino gets here. I, I read somewhere yesterday, and this is hopefully not fake news, but uh. I think he couldn't get out. Couldn't get his, get on his flight or something like that. Oh, really? Due to documentation. So, um, hopefully that that's been ironed out. Just and a total side note. I
0: was reading on the internet as yes you do, and apparently, people from China go to South Korea to get facial surgery, mm-hmm. you know, kind of plastic surgery <laughs> but they can't get back into China because they look different. Right. <laughs> so I thought that's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't think Frodo's got that problem.
1: <laughs> so yeah, this is a, a star-studded field um, but the main lineup, you know, I think most of us are looking at is Jan Fredino versus Lionel Sanders, um, torson has got them predicted to be about one minute apart, you know, Frodo's going to dominate in the swim, um, Sanders on bike time, he normally bikes a bit quicker and then Fredino is a faster runner on paper. So uh, those are the top two. You've got uh, Magnus Ditlev, who we saw in the Challenge Daytona race, uh, lighting it up a bit on the bike. Rudy von Berg, who's now one of the best 70.3 athletes. Tyler Butterfield uh, ranked pretty highly, along with Tim O'Donnell. Matt Hansen's the seventh yeah, seed, um, and he you know, had that amazing run uh, at Daytona, and so knows how to do this kind of racing. Uh, then you've got Ben Knute, Gonzalez. Well, what, uh, one
0: of the interesting names I think could add an interesting dynamic for Frodo is Starkewitz. True, because because uh, he's a little bit faster than what Sean is, is. He's about two minutes sw- faster swimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he's a better biker bike than Frodo. But yeah. but if, if he can, for, he comes through, which he will. Yeah, um, if Frodo can get on his wheel for a bit, that's going to be a big advantage for him.
1: Totally. Yep, yeah, and this is obviously his comeback after the um, whole yep, doping tri- Um Ben Hoffman's down there. I think I saw he's just had a new baby as well. So uh, I don't know what sort of shape he'll be in, but just a, an awesome field all the way down. Uh, so looking forward to seeing what happens there.
0: One thing you've pulled up on the notes here, which is really interesting, you've pulled up Frodo's kind of results. We'll talk about female race in a second, but basically Frodo... <laughs> It's been pretty bloody successful, hasn't he? So oh. you go back to when he started his career. He started his career in like 2014 and the long course stuff. He had a couple of seconds and thirds. Um he came along. Only a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got second in his first in the 70.3 European champions. Kind of won a few 70.3s. Did uh, he did Ironman and Germany,
1: got third. I'm pretty sure that was that really, really hot day, I think. Oh, okay. This is yeah. back in
0: 2014. Mm-hmm. Then he did the World Championships, got third, and then pretty much from then onwards he got second in Lanzarote. What happened there?
1: And and I'm not taking anything away. Was that a training from, day? No, it wasn't quite a training day, he, um, but Jesse Thomas won that race. That's right. And we interviewed him. Jesse we? Thomas is a really good athlete, yep. and so he won it fair and square. Jan Fredino was either not in shape or um, just – didn't fire, but he basically needed to be doing a validation somewhere. Oh, okay. So it's not like he, he went 8.44 in Lanzarote. It's not mucking around, but that's the only defeat well, well, that he's had. Well,
0: no, no. He also got 35th in Nakona that one year. So in 2017, he didn't do that well. But well, what's
1: interesting about that is he walked most of the marathon. Sort a 401. And stood at a 9.15 <laughs> with a 401. <laughs> uh, so,
0: um, so, you know, like realistically, or, or, you know, since 2015, he's had two non-wins. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. he hasn't raced much So we go one, two, three no, there's,
1: there's been a few other races Like this is only Ironman okay. events There's been Challenge And there's been a few other ones Like he quite often went and did Challenge Taiwan Did Roth a couple He's of times it's always a bit bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, like, no, but he doesn't even do the, the PR. pro race It's like he just does the, the Half Ironman where there's He no must other be pros. getting parents' money get paid a fortune Big time So good on them, though. But what a legend Oh, Unbelievable
0: record He's won Kona three times, is not he?
1: uh three or four yeah i think it's three
0: he won 19 we never raced last year
1: 2018 he did it didn't it was one year he didn't race because he was in on the sidelines 2018 year, yeah and then one year he had the injury 2017 he
0: didn't 2016 he won tw- and he must have won 2015
1: as well so he's won three
0: mm-hmm Okay. Do you think, he, how many more do you think he can get? I think he's aiming for six.
1: Oh, you think six? You think, you oh, that's a big ask. Well, that's what he said. It's not what I'm saying. He said I saw an interview with him a while ago. I think he wants to try to get six. So, legend. Um, God, yeah. What a legend. So, really looking forward to this weekend. Hopefully, he goes there and, uh, and just puts the hammer down. Okay, so let's go look at the female race. The female's pretty strong field again. Awesome. We've got three of the, probably the best 70.3 athletes in the world. You've got Annie Haug, the Kona champion, and I uh, remember back in Daytona, she got a, a drafting infringement, which probably didn't cost her the race, but she ran an amazing time. Uh, so she's seeded number one, uh, Lucy Charles Barclay is seed number two, and Paula Finlay, who crushed Everybody uh, by a long way in Daytona is three, but you've got other quality athletes in there: Sarah Crowley, Sky Monch, Heather Jackson, um, oh Alyssa dollar who we had on the show fairly recently, Carrie Lester. This is like a world championship, not Danielle pretty close not to being there. a world championship field. Yeah.
0: So, so looking forward to Kona this year. You're saying in hugs, kind of like, you know, you pulled up her results as well. So if we look at her results, she's a bit like Frodo. She is, just seems to be.
1: Well, she's just kind of, like she's six years behind Frodo in terms of her tracking. But I just looked at her results and thought, oh, you kind of started the same way that Frodo did. She had a, a third at the 70.3 World Champs. She had a third uh, in, in her first attempt in Kona. Um, and then since then, she's kind of just gone win-win, setting course records. Now, only won Kona once. But this is basically how Frodo started. She's gonna I think she's probably a bit older, started a bit later than he did in terms of into her Kona career. But I'm really intrigued when we come to Kona this year to see her lining up against Daniela Reef, because Daniela Reef's gonna have uh, a big lead on her, likely off the bike. Oh, she's thirty eight. Mm. Okay, yeah. I did not really So she's, she's been old. around for quite a while. Okay. She has long ITU career. But you know, if she's gonna run a two fifty one in Kona or something in that range. Um, Daniela Reef, uh, she's still she's about a, th- a three-hour sort of runner in Kona. She's going to need you know a good ten minutes on her to be safe. So really looking forward to that. Do you, who do you pick? And, and if we go to Kona, because Daniela had a bad year last year or twenty
0: nineteen mm. now, isn't it? Um, in the last Kona, she had a bad race. Uh, we haven't we didn't see her in the best of her day. And had a great race as well. But you're saying mm. she's pretty stellar
1: right now. It's going to be pretty interesting. I think it'd be quite close, but I think Reef would probably still have it. If if they both had their best day, I still think Reef, with that domination on the bike, would probably have enough to hang on. But if she's not on her A game, um, I think it could be pretty close uh okay so so the, again this guys if you are anywhere in the world you can
0: go check it out on facebook uh where is where's the link you just look up challenge one Miami, just look up challenge miami or look up challenge family they'll have it plastered everywhere you think okay do that also we have 70.3 dubai happening only fifteen thousand dollars in price purse that seems really
1: poor Um, It it is really poor Considering the number of pros I've got racing uh, And it's a high quality field For just a standard 70.3 Granted there's nothing else really going on in the world So um Anybody who can travel seems to be travelling. Peter Hemmerich is uh, ranked number one in front of Maurice Clavel, Rudy Wilde, Michael Weiss and Andy Boucheris so a good strong field in there. You've got guys like Matt Troutman as well um, and I know that, uh, where the hell is Joe Skipper? He's ranked like to come in 28th so Joe's you know a long course specialist rather than a half Ironman athlete uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how he goes. He's been over in Dubai training the house and he keeps posting all these videos and just spanking it so he's going to be well acclimatised to the heat. He know the course uh, inside out you'd think so he could be someone who might trouble the scorers a little bit with that one and uh yeah we'll see so how he's Joe making an appearance Sorry, people Bravusic. Pete people reverse, it. reverse it. i saw that isn't it ranked uh number 50 on Torson's rating which is a bottom ranking uh, there are a few others who are unranked who are obviously doing their first half Man's, but uh Good old Pete Babrucic. Female mm-hmm. side, uh, it would be great to see what sort of form Daniela Reef is in. Obviously we haven't seen her racing for a long time, uh, so you'd expect her just to crush everybody. But there is uh, Imogene Simons and Sarah Svents, who are both uh, good quality athletes. So yeah, it's always good when we see Daniela Reif racing. She's predicted to come win by eight minutes. Uh, just as a bit of a side note, we also have a USA Ultra Try happening
0: as well. It's in Florida. Uh, we've talked about this race for years, haven't we? Is this one of the did uh, we l- pick l- up?
1: I was. I, I couldn't see that it's been cancelled or postponed or off or anything. Do you know what? So it's Florida. I think Florida's, yeah, Florida's yeah, kind of that's what I was thinking. <laughs> anti-vax. So. so it's the, the Florida a- Anvil Festival. Um, and they've got a. I think they've got a single, a, single, a double, uh, and I think they normally have a longer one than that. So... Good luck if you're down there doing that. Um, it's just one, another one of those courses where it's multi laps. You know, lap after lap after lap after lap. Probably it's a pretty small field, but pretty tough endurance test.
0: Okay, uh, Ironman New Zealand has been rescheduled to the twenty seventh of March, which is which is an interesting time period because it's not two weeks post race. It's kind of three or four weeks. So it is. I don't know we we're talking about last week about how would you train through this next block.
1: Mm. This was before we had the news that came out that it was post on the day, which
0: yeah, so so just fascinating. I I just kind of think it'll be interesting to hear post race how it's affected certain athletes. So like some athletes would be, hey, it's actually worked for me. Maybe someone who's been slightly injured. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for these elite guys and girls. Um but who it's worked for and who it hasn't worked for.
1: Elites will just get on with it. I don't think it'll affect them too much. I think the guys at Race Challenge Monica, we had a couple there, Braden Curry and uh the new fella, Kyle Smith, it would probably help them, I reckon, just having that little bit extra recovery. Um, but for the age groupers, you know, the, the ones that I coach that, that are racing, you know, the initial thing that I said to them is the motivation, the initial motivation is going to be the hard part. So you just take a chilled out week and then we just do another two weeks of training. Um, so the, the things that you've got to be factored into the decision here is it's is very hard to change all these <laughs> race days oh. of that magnitude yeah. and had this not been for COVID I guarantee it would have been cancelled but I think because of COVID people were going to be flexible and they were going to try to just make it happen no, no matter what so fingers crossed we keep safe in New Zealand and it can happen uh, but I think for, for most of the age group as they, that said to me they said you know took a few days just to get myself re- reset and now I'm good to go motivated and uh, looking forward to it.
0: I'll be interested to see how many people don't race. Mm. you know because obviously some people won't be able to and i'll be Mm -hmm. interested to see was it sold out no definitely not okay so uh, i doubt that they'll give us the before and after numbers but Mm. it'll be interesting to see percentage of the field who weren't able to race because there will be someone unfortunately Mm. uh we've also got iron man france has been moved to september these races are shifting towards kona qualifying time which makes it pretty interesting
1: it will be really interesting because just i haven't really thought through the implications of qualifying for kona but all these races in september mean that people are qualifying for Kona for the next year uh, so just interested to see how yeah. that all pans out especially for the pros so the pros assuming Kona happens and all the, the good you know the pros that qualified go you don't get to qualify again for next year so there'll be quite a few random sort of pros with all these September Ironmans that, that might be qualifying or you might go hey I'm not going to go to Kona this year I'm going to stay at home and uh, and just qualify for for next year. But so you still
0: even though there might be three or four races it's only going to be a few people who get those slots. Mm, true. But the only thing, where I'm interested is in the age group. So, for example, I can't see any Kiwis being able to get over the Kona this year. No, definitely not. So, people who have got crossovers, what what's the word I am thinking about? Carryovers. Carryovers mm. from 2020. mm do they get to carry over to 2022 if they can't get into the country? Like, What's going to be the logistics and the communication? And when do they start communicating that?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. the thing is nobody knows, so that's a challenge. I just, My gut feeling is it's going to be a very American uh, Ironman this year. And yeah. if I was in their shoes, I'd just be stacking as many um, of the Legacies. legacy athletes in yeah. there and try to clear that book a bit uh, and then just deal with the aftermath as we get through this year. Mm. It's not life-threatening. It's a pain in the ass. It's a good discussion point, but... uh, Yeah, but
0: but at the same time, then we look at 2022's qualification. Mm. Build a new pair. If they're still carrying over from 2020, Mm. it means there'll be less slots for Mm. qualification next year. So it means that if you are, let's say we get to the end of this year and COVID is pretty much gone, or at least we can travel. Um,
1: But 2022 race is already full up. (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and, and also qualifying will be a lot harder if, if mm. you can say, let's say, a half of the field's already taken up before mm. we even start adding people into the race,
1: so mm. it's
0: going to be interesting dynamics. Uh,
1: Challenge Moscow. I like the look of this. Uh, Challenge Moscow is the newest edition of the Challenge Family Race Calendar. This race will take athletes in the iconic cities, most famous sightseeing it will take place on June the 18th, 2021, so it's happening this year. Have you race- been to Moscow? I have not been to Russia, I don't think. Oh, sure I've heard it's the most beautiful place. Be Moscow is meant to be absolutely. Don't know if you. I'd still get the shits going to countries like that. Um, just, just the government. Just, yeah, just. John, I hope be, I get I'll out be, here I'll alive. Be really honest.
0: Don't think you're a threat.
1: No, I don't think I am. No. But you do something wrong, or something just something untoward happens, and God knows, I oh, just oh, it gives me the craps a bit. Yeah. Biggest race of the weekend, though, Bevan. See the sky challenge. Uh, oh, Brad Richards buildings. Brad Richards building Sea Sky Challenge happening in Christchurch. Um, unfortunately, we've lost our superstar Hayden Wilde, who's not racing, um, but we've got, I've got a very high quality field. I've got the two, number two and number three in New Zealand, plus probably about two or three other top athletes. So I've got some awesome females racing. Uh, it's going to be a good day. Weather forecast is looking good. Hoping for a bit of surf in the swim. So uh, we have a good challenge, and uh, it's going to be good times.
0: Yeah, sea swimming in a race.
1: Well, it varies a lot. And this is it's at a beach and it's in this little corner where probably 40% of the time it's almost flat calm. And then probably 30% of the time, there's a bit of a wave coming in, but it's really not that much of a challenge at all. And then you've got a little bit of the percentage of time where there's some big kahunas coming in, and it really comes down to the surf lifeguards. For we had two years in a row, two years in a row, where we had some decent waves coming, in. I'm thinking this ain't happening. And the <laughs> surf guy said, "No, nah, we're okay with it," and uh, we did it. And one year, just as the last athlete came around, the last boy, it got washed off its anchor, it oh. and and, it, and the, the buoy came surfing in on one of the waves, and. Uh, but everybody came out of the swim saying that was the bit most fun I've ever had in a triathlon. Um, and there's always the option for the weaker swimmers, we've got a duathlon. So they, if, they're, if they're too scared to do the swim, do the duathlon. You it's going to be good times. That's the only thing that sucks about being a race director is you don't get to race it. I know. Yeah, I'm very envious. Oh, one day, mate, one day.
0: Okay, uh, let's look at last week's discussion. So last week's discussion was if you could go back and participate in any sporting event in history, which would it be and why would you choose
1: it? Steve Sutherland said the original Olympics from centuries ago that would really be amazing and I might even stand a chance to win any of the swimming events I do remember looking at did, swimming did times Did they have
0: swimming back in the original Olympics?
1: Uh, maybe I don't I don't no, know No not the Greeks I can't imagine But I remember when you look at the very first records of the swimming they're not that fast. Oh well, even the
0: marathon <laughs> I think you'd take out the marathon Yeah You know I think the marathon that, okay, It, I'm it gonna improved
1: find exponentially very very quickly but uh, I remember those first times I actually saw yesterday um, i next to never go on Instagram. Oh, um, come on. You're on the every minute of the day. Yeah, okay. Okay, you found me out. <laughs> but I saw Sebastian Keenlay uh, doing a race against this guy. must be a top breaststroker. 50-meter, dive start, max effort. Sebastian Keenlay looked like he was swimming really well. Got beaten by like a, a body length by this breaststroke. Uh, well, he was doing freestyle? He was doing freestyle. The other guy was doing breaststroke.
0: Okay, wait a second, if we go back in time...
1: John are oh, you look, I'll, I'll do a couple more. John we said, Nothing specific, but probably some Olympic race I'd be fast enough to win, which would most likely take me back to 1904, or something like that. Terry Bessardy, uh, the first ever Tour de France in 1903, 2,400 kilometres in only six stages. They apparently averaged 26 kilometres per hour, with the old bikes and probably mostly on dirt road. That was truly epic.
0: Okay, John, so here we go. You would be an Olympic gold medalist. I would be an Olympic gold medalist through till 1909. Okay, yeah. Because in... So basically, 1896, uh, 258 won the marathon. mm mm-hmm. uh, 1900, 259. hmm <laughs> Although, uh, Fred Lauriers hitched a ride in a car on the 11th mile and was briefly hailed as the winner until he was brought to know that he cheated. Um, 1904, this is a shocking time 328
1: it Might have been somewhere really hot It or Must have been, yeah. yeah
0: Then it went to 251 in 1906 1908, they had Olympics close to each other That's interesting 255, but then In two 19, I keep getting these years wrong 1912, 236 Oh, I would have just missed out Yeah, you probably got silver in there mm. uh, Then went to, to 232 Oh, no you're back into it game <laughs> 24, you were 241. Right, I would have been close, I think my best is 242. Um, yeah, then from there it starts, to get, oh no, 234, and it's not really until actually, a little bit times haven't been that fast,
1: you know. So, even if we look in the fastest Olympic marathon. Well, it's, it's always a race at the Olympics, right? And, and it's usually done in very hot conditions. So that's why, yeah, that's why you don't get fast times at the Olympics. What it's you mean it's usually a race? Oh, no, it's more of a race. You're not racing for time. Oh, You're okay. racing yeah, yeah, for, okay, for, yeah. for the win. Yeah. So quite tactical. And the best guys often don't do it as well.
0: There you go. So you could, you yeah. so you and I could have a few Olympic gold medals. Great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which ones have you done? I'm, kind of uh, I'm up
1: to Guy Pilkington. First Olympics. Just all the nude events. Very aero
0: they have nude events? Maybe they did. There you go. Guys, guys into it. Uh, Richard Swan being at the Golden Hour in Rome Olympics. Heilberg and Snell.
1: So that was a ki- when Kiwis, we got two medals in the 800 and the 1500. No, Heilberg didn't get a gold. He got a... What did he? I'm not sure. Snell certainly did. It's called Snell. the Golden Hour. You think it would be? Mm. Okay, let me have a look. Uh, uh this shows my lack of new zealand history there matthew berg the 1936 olympics in nazi germany hitler salutes jesse and love and Lovelock gold in the 1500 there you go he did win the gold uh that was in 1936 so not sure what we've been competing in though it might have got a medal in the women's high jump he
0: did win a gold he won, he actually won i oh know one gold at the olympics and two at the commonwealth games Rome five 5,000 I think meters. I was thinking of
1: Lovelock. or did Lovelock get gold? Or? Yeah, Lovelock did as well, because then the mm.
0: com- com- commentator go, Go, Jack! Yeah, you know, like yeah the commentator, It's a really beautiful piece of commentary in New Zealand mm. history, and the, and the commentator's obviously like a mate, and yeah. it just becomes a real personal moment.
1: He's go, Come on, Jack! and in, in, in a really kind of caring way. It's mm. quite special. So I think we've done all of them, Bevan. Nobody wanted to go back in history too much. No. Bevan, where would you want to go?
0: Something like that.
1: I think for me it would be one of the, uh, uh, com- possibly Commonwealth Games actually. Uh, so we had Commonwealth Games in Christchurch. And John Walker? Uh, we had John Walker and Dick Taylor. So John Walker won the 1500 yep. and Dick Taylor won the 10,000 metres. Uh, and it would have been hu- on home soil, huge crowds. That would, would have been awesome. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. So I think for me, an athletics event, whether it's the Commonwealth Games or Olympic gold, I think you know, you'd want to do something one of your countrymen had done. That's the way I feel anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or or, or like a really special sporting moment. Like, you know, um, winning the Rugby World Cup would be pretty cool to be at. You know, be a player on the field winning the Rugby World Cup. That one when New Zealand won, it was so tense at the end. Mm. Was it 2011? Mm -hmm. New Zealand won the Rugby World Cup and it was a horrible game of rugby. Mm -hmm. And we were going into it. We'd been dominating the whole World Cup and we'd play in the French. And the French were a good team, but we kind of thought we were going to smash them. And in the last last ten minutes, mm-hmm. we're, it was eleven ten, wasn't it? So we mm. went by one point, and it's just tension, you know. And you just the whole mm. country just <laughs> there was no fun. And when we won, a fun it watch. wasn't celebration; it was just it was relief, wasn't that. it? Mm. Yeah. So well, the
1: other one for me would be uh, riding in Tour de France and going up like one of the iconic finishes, whether it be Alpe d'Huez or the Tour so I So wonder I how that. long
0: we could. Be, you probably couldn't do this, but how far
1: when oh, you no, would have no. won the Tour de France? Mm. Don't think I ever would have oh, e- would even have? on those donkey bikes, they're probably faster than me. No, you back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day. Okay, uh this week's discussion, John. What do we got here? We've got, um, will you watch Challenge Miami this weekend? And if not, what could be done to make you want to watch it? So given this isn't a bloody ten Mission. hour iron iron distance race, you know it's likely to be I don't know, maybe maybe three hours, something like that I think it's going to be. Um, so what could they do to make you want to watch it? Okay, uh, website of the, of the week. week. And this week's website is
0: 255triathlon.com. And what it is, is, is it's the world's single, longest single day triathlon. You're going to b- swim 5K, you're going to bike 200K, and then you're going to run 50K. So they've just rounded up numbers, really, haven't
1: they? Yeah, I just wanted to give them a bit of a plug. I saw it um, a few weeks ago, actually. Then I saw Alan Bryson, I think, uh, entered it. So I just think it's quite a... I wonder what it's. I'm really intrigued to see what it's going to be like. So you're basically swimming. Uh, Some, you know, swim will be the swim, but then you're biking. Uh, so you're swimming 5k, which is yeah, it's a bit longer than the old 3.8, uh, and then you're going one point two longer. Yep, and then you math. go your maths amazing. <laughs> I, I, I tell me about <laughs> um, You should be on mastermind, oh, specialists yep. Specialist yep. <laughs> topics. Uh, <laughs> quick fire, quick fire maths <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, and then you're going to bike down to a racing car track that isn't particularly long and you're going to ride 55 laps of that to get 200 kilometres, so 20 kilometres longer than an Ironman. But what I think they've got set up there is you've got, um, you can have your own little sort of pit area in the in, oh, okay. in aid station, so I think that would be quite an interesting way to have uh, you know, a bit more interactivity with your support crew, instead of them just standing there watching, you know, you could get them engaged in terms of, you could really refine what nutrition you want to be going on. You know, when you do an Ironman, you carry your nutrition at the start. Are you going to carry everything else? Are you just going to get on-road support? And you kind of, sometimes it's a bit hit and miss. You might miss your bottle. You might not get the right flavour. Whereas here, you can really have it dialed in and you probably don't need to be carrying very much at all. On a racetrack like this, 52 laps, so they're having a limited field of 300 competitors. And, um, when you're riding on a racetrack, I don't think the drafting is going to be an issue whatsoever. Like even if you stack quite a few people on there, these racetracks are usually wide enough that it's really not an issue at all. So hopefully drafting won't be won't be a problem. Um, obviously, I assume most racetracks are relatively flat, um, which might get a little bit boring. And this is just kind of a circular one. It doesn't look like it's really got many hairpins or anything like that. Uh, and then the run is centric. Sort of 50 Ks and you do have a couple of little twists and turns in the, the run course um, but essentially you're running around the track as well, 10 laps. Um, I'm just interested to see if it's a bore fest or if it's um, better than yeah, being out on the roads.
0: So as in the UK, it's in West Sussex. Um, yeah, so pretty
1: interesting stuff. Yeah, something different? They're not advertising to be on here, I just thought this is a little bit different but a little bit longer at a racetrack. Um, yeah, I think it'll be cool. So check it out, it's uh 255 triathlon.com.
0: Okay, Coochers corner. So we've got a question through from Matthew Parks, and he's got hey guys, uh, new to triathlon based in Thailand. Could you discuss brick sessions? How often should you do them? How far would you suggest cycling and running? How hard should they be? etc. Love the formula show, perfectly a accom- perfect accompanying to my long runs. Keep up the good work. So, bricks, John. Are, they, are you Are you a keen fan of them? And if so, what's the plan?
1: Well, I am. And I think some people will be going, oh, this is going to be just pretty straightforward. You've got to do brick sessions. Mm. You know, why do you kind of do them? one So I think in general, people don't do enough of them. Um, they just kind of maybe do one here or there. But at a simple level, you know, for, for guys that are new to the sport, it's basically about learning how to run off the bike and being comfortable and just learning to control your pace. Often people start the run and they feel like rubbish, but they're actually running at a reasonable pace. So you know, it's a big, big learning curve in terms of a, getting the pacing right, getting the feeling right. Um, but there's lots of other reasons why you should be doing fairly regular bricks. So especially for those of you, for whatever reason. Cannot do lots of long running, so whether it be injuries, whether it be arthritic problems, whatever the reason is, obviously, you should really dig a bit deeper as to you know why it is that you can't do these long runs. But if you are in that sort of uh, camp, then it's a really good way to get load into your legs and still do some quality running off the bike, so you know. A typical long run might be three hours, but instead of doing a long run, the way of doing it with a brick session is you maybe do like a two hour bike ride where you're building the effort so you're finishing quite hard and you're getting plenty of load into your legs and then you're running two hours off the bike. So that could give you a reasonable sort of compromise between doing a three hour run. I would normally go for the three hour run option for most people but if that was going to mean you're broken for two weeks or, yeah. or longer, then not such a good idea. So for people who are struggling with, with a lot of running, that's a great way to, to get load into your legs rather than just, just doing a two-hour run, add some load in there and make it a, a little bit more tri-specific. Um, for people that are wanting to really improve their running, it's a great way by doing brick runs to improve your run or add to your run frequency. So by doing sort of little yeah. short, shorter runs, um, you probably wouldn't just think, I'm going to go out for a 20, 30 minute run by itself. But when you're doing it off the the bike, a, you're getting that sort of adaptation of running off the bike, plus you're adding a little bit of running to your sort of weekly schedule. So this it's is hard-fitting with the training, then,
0: isn't it? It is, you know? totally. Especially if you're know if you doing Ironman, gee, but this there's a lot of training. Mm. And if you've got one session of running, one session of cycling in a day, whereas if you can put that together, it is efficient.
1: Mm. And so, for, for example, you know, it might be that you're running three or four times a week. This is probably for a well-conditioned athlete. You add in a... F- you know a couple of 30 minute sessions gives you an extra you know it might be two 30 minute runs off off a couple of your bikes that'll give you an extra hour of running essentially give you an extra you know one full run overall and can make a pretty significant difference to your sort of running uh running ability next one up i've got uh doing bike run reps adds low to your legs um for the bike so not fresh when you're riding all the time so what i'm meaning there is Most of the time we go out biking, our legs are fresh, or they might be carrying fatigue from the day before, but if you do a series of bike run reps, then each time you start that bike, your legs are going to be uh, slightly more fatigued in a a different way, and that's good from a physiological point of view, but also mentally, it's good to sometimes do some riding when you're feeling like rubbish, because that's possibly what you're going to feel like in the race. And so it's a bit more of a a mental conditioning session as well. So one of the sessions that I really like doing myself and I get a lot of athletes that I coach doing is doing some bike run hill reps. So you would do four times through biking up a hill for around about 10 to 12 minutes and then you'd run seven minutes uphill as well. And then you'd be repeating that. So you've got to come down the hill um, also. So it ends up being a reasonably long session. But you're getting that bike it's run effect. Um, you're getting loading in your legs for the for the bike, loading in your legs for the run. Um, and you can also do it on the trainer. That's when you're not like too Mount Pleasant, isn't it? I love Mount Pleasant reps. Yep. And so if you're doing this, something like that on the trainer, if you're on some somewhere like Zwift, use Alpe de Zwift or Von Top or something like that, and you can just go up, spin your avatar around and go to back down the hill. And then if you've got a treadmill next year, you can do, you know, you can have that set to run straight uphill off the the treadmill as well. So bike run reps, another great way to get load in the legs, get a bit of extra running in there, and it also helps to break it up a bit. Uh, And yeah, that's one of the other points I've got down here, just gives you a bit of variation, rather than just doing a bike run all the time, uh, especially if you're doing short course racing. It means you can get, Bevan was saying before about um, just being efficient with the use of time. So if you do a bike run interval session, Getting some bike intervals, you're getting some run intervals done in one session, and it kind of almost frees up a whole other day during the week. Because if normally you might go, okay, I do my run intervals on Tuesday, my bike intervals on Thursday. That's taken up two of your key days. And if you do them all on one day, then it frees up Thursday to do to do something else. Yeah. So a couple of session or session I like to do is uh, six times through. We're doing five minutes bike, three minutes run, and uh, you'd have some recovery between each interval. And you might do a couple of those at your. sort race pace if you know, olympic or sprint distance and then one a bit easier and then maybe a couple a little bit quicker so that's probably more for the for the short course guys and then um and then the other sort of brick i'm doing um so matthew is asking this question i often do and get other athletes to do just a standard brick but you kind of go down in a, a distance and down in intensity so what i mean there is instead of going out and doing a full uh, doing a half iron man at your half Ironman race pace, which is bloody hard to do um, if you're not in a race setting. You do a half Ironman at your Ironman pace, or you do an Olympic distance race at your half Ironman pace, or you do a sprint distance um, simulation at your Olympic distance pace. So you're sort of doing a good solid swim bike run, But you're going down down sort of a a level of intensity. So good question, Matthew. Brick sessions. Guys, a lot of your Northern Hemisphere athletes are hopefully starting to come into your season. So, you know, it's a a great way to get some extra running into your week. And uh, you should really be doing a swim, bike, run or at least a bike run session at least once a week. Well,
0: at the top you did say it's generally not done enough.
1: Mm, totally, yeah. Um, whether that be time restrictions or whatever, but it should be should be a priority. And you know, if you're doing a bike session, and again, say you're doing an indoor session, and you've got an hour fifteen of time, you know, a lot of people just go, I haven't got time to do a bike run, and they're yeah. going to do you know, maybe a 10-minute warm-down on their bike. Yeah. Instead of doing an hour on the bike, you'd maybe go, I'll do 50 minutes, and I'll jump straight off the bike cool. instead of doing yeah. a warm-down, and then I can squeeze in a 20-minute run and a few minutes warm-down at the end, and uh, and you've just added a little bit of run volume, and the bike, the benefit of doing that bike warm-down is pretty minimal, especially when you've got a run to follow. Well, so, efficient well, th- use of your time. Well,
0: when we think about sport, you, you know, you, you're getting off the bike and running on the day, and if mm. you haven't done much of that, your body just hasn't had the adaptation it needs. Mm. And also just the understanding of, of dealing with that, especially, mm-hmm. you know, the longer sessions you talk about, that's this really important because, oh. you know, it's especially if you are someone who's trying to really achieve a goal, because the other thing you need to be able to do is get off the bike and sit on a pace. So it's not mm. just be able to sit, get off the bike and run, it's get off the bike and actually achieve an objective with the run. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of people... Just get a bike and plot along, mm-hmm. and so you know, getting off the bike and having some objectives. Okay, well, I want to set it like marathon or race pace. I'm um, in marathon pace. You know, training your body to condition for how you want to be on race day is a big part of being successful in your in your training. So, definitely, getting this kind of work in is really important. Very good. We're going to interview.
1: We have. We're talking with Dirk Friel from Training Peaks Here Here is right now. Okay guys, uh, so it's time to catch up with Training Peaks. Um, I'm intrigued to see what's been going on in the world of training because they are the specialists in analysing everything we do, whether you're a coach, whether you're an athlete, um, and I'm sure they've got some interesting insight into what everybody's been up to during this um, pretty pretty strange old 12 months we've had. So we've got Dirk and um, we've had on the show before, we met him over in Kona a few years ago, sitting in the lobby of the yeah. King Cam Hotel, so welcome back to the show Dirk.
2: Absolutely. Need to get back to those good old times yeah, of the King K. <laughs> Thanks for having me on.
1: So um, I, one of the questions I had for you, what was the impact of COVID had in terms of, and, and I don't know how deeply you guys have looked at it, but in terms of the way people are training, obviously lots and lots of indoor stuff, but have you guys actually looked into what how people's habits have changed?
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously the number one, change is what you just mentioned, you know, the indoor, the volume of indoor files that we are receiving from, you know, Zwift leads the pack and then there's others of course. Um, but you know, it's like 300% up, you know, especially when it really hit, you know, back in April, May, March, April, May timeframe. Um, that was a dramatic increase, especially during a time of year where traditionally, You know, we see those type of workouts declining, you know, as Northern hemisphere folks, you know, it warms up, um, they, uh, so yeah, it was a a black and white difference with that type of workout. Um, we didn't per se do any studies or really dig in to see what, you know, what changes are athletes uh, making at a finer point, you know, in terms of their workout selection per se, um, I can't say. The other kind of real positive, especially that we're, we're seeing now, you know, coming into a new year is we have more coached athletes now than ever before. And we have a coach match program and February that we just wrapped up was our, you know, the, our, our, our best month ever in terms of pairing athletes to coaches, um, by far. So there's obviously a lot of demand. A lot of folks out there really obviously want to race. And I think a lot of folks are now into this new year and they're, they're gung ho, they, they want to get a coach and get after it. So when races do come back, um, they're really and to go. I, I can make assumptions, you know, about 2020 and just having talked to coaches, and athletes. I think a lot of athletes, well, especially, you know, if they were working with a coach, they took the time to set a better foundation. Oftentimes I find in my own racing experience, you know, racing can sometimes kind of put a pinch in, in, in the training itself, meaning that you, when you're preparing for a race, you automatically are tapering and therefore you're not really advancing or working on any specific, you know, weakness. Whereas when you don't have races, um, you can just let it all hang loose and just really work on those weaknesses and try and improve areas that sometimes take, you know, months and months and months of work to have any adaptation and change. Um, so I think that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of athletes have kind of taken that tact of let's come out of this stronger. And so they have changed their training maybe away from, as you know little like probably less intensity and more foundation work.
1: What about you guys as as a business, you know? Obviously you're mm-hmm. a, you know you're an online business, um but in terms of the, your personal business practices, has it just been sort of work from home or have you guys adapted to the changing climate very much?
2: Yeah, in terms of our our, our office situation, obviously basically March 1st of 2020 we went fully remote and it, it's obviously fairly easy for us to do as as a software company. Yeah, Um, I think obviously we just had many, many more zoom meetings as everybody else probably has as well. Um, So that was, that, that went really smooth. However, I think, you know, we still are looking forward to the day when we can actually go back into the office because for several reasons, you know, a lot of folks have, you know, kids and family and all, all kinds of stuff, obviously at home, which can make it difficult to work from home, you know, when you, when you have all these disruptions going on. Um, so certainly some folks just find the office can be a place where they can be more productive. That's not the case for everybody, but certainly there's a good number of our staff that, you know, that is the case. Um, and, you know, we look forward to getting teams back together. It, it, I, you know, I think making a connection personally and having more free flow of conversation you see the hand gestures and the face, you know, it's more than zoom right when you're in a room together, really like brainstorming and those whiteboard sessions are very difficult to reproduce via zoom. Um, and we really thrive on those sessions so looking forward to getting back in the office. Um, you know, whenever that happens.
0: Just just, lastly, on, on a kind of a business note, you know, yeah. this, this time has made us look at the world in slightly different ways, but it, it, sometimes there's lessons where you only learned because we've had this time. So for you as a business and maybe as, you know, just in what you do, what are the lessons that maybe COVID have taught you that maybe you wouldn't have learned unless we had COVID?
2: Yeah, wow. Great, great question. Um, I think I came out of it with the, you know, overall kind of positive, I kind of hate to say, but athletes really need their, it's more about the process, if you will, than per se, the event outcome. Everybody's focused on the event outcome, but if you can really embrace the process and improving as an athlete, and that includes lifestyle and, and everything, right? Like, are you still a triathlete? If you never race again, like, yes, the question can be absolutely yes. You know, I lived the, not, not me personally, but you know, many of your listeners obviously live the triathlon lifestyle. They, they are triathletes independent of actually going to the start line. And we saw that reflected within training peaks, you know, the coach business held up training plan sales definitely took a, a, a drop because they're shorter time frames that tend to be eight to 12 weeks, and they're actually preparing you for one specific day. So we saw, you know, a, a downtick in training plan sales, but then we saw uptick in actual personal coaching um, business. Um, and then, you know, we saw a lot of athletes that then set personal challenges. And this was an opportunity for them to say, okay, I want to ride a certain distance or complete you know, a point-to-point event, or you know, it could be. Um, you know, f- gravel obviously is kind of a big thing now, and I I had a personal challenge myself to do a four-day gravel um, bike trip. You know, this past summer, so I prepared for that. So it was kind of like a a good feeling that athletes are still there. They're still athletes. They're still triathletes, independent of the races, and. They still need that expert instruction for that self-fulfillment to become the best athlete they can become, you know, working with an expert in their field can, can help make that happen. So I guess that, that made me feel good that it just didn't all completely vanish because races are gone. Now we have that to look forward to when races do come back.
1: Exactly. Now we know a lot of um, the listeners use training peaks, um, but often they only use it at a very, very basic level. Um, so just in terms of what you guys have been up to, um, and, and perhaps some developments that you guys have made that you think, I don't know if everybody really understands it. So what have you guys sort of been up to maybe in the last six to 12 months and some of the new things that have come out that maybe not everybody's quite jumped on board with, um, at this stage?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the main theme internally has been focusing on the coach athlete relationship, and making that communications um, more efficient, um, we released um, the ability to set goals on your mobile app within the you know Training Peaks mobile app. You can actually set and view goals now. Um, you can also we released I think like two months ago the capability to share notes. So in the past, if you put a comment, it was always assigned to a workout, you know, but the comment might be, hey, what type of tire should I buy for <laughs> next week's event, right? Or give me some tips about nutrition or something, um, which aren't specifically tied to that day's workout. So we have notes. So an athlete can post a note, you know, uh, obviously a, a coach can post a note, and that can kind of become a communications um, thread amongst, you know, within that um note itself. Um And then here shortly, we are going to release athlete availability. Um, This is going to really help the coach do a better job of planning so they can see, okay, this athlete cannot train on these days next week or on these particular days, they can only do these types of workouts. And that was always really kind of contained within email or text messages in the past. Um, Now it's actually going to be Evident right there on the calendar. And if a, a coach plans something, um, on top of a week and there's a conflict, you know, that'll get a notification to the coach that, uh, aha, there's a red flag. You know, you assigned to swim on this day and this athlete can't actually do a swim, so it's going to be, it's going to help the coach better manage the planning capability around the athlete's lifestyle. So. We really have been honing in on that coach-athlete relationship and kind of communications.
1: Mm, nice. I like the sound of that. Yeah, it makes but, it more efficient, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it's just an easy communication. Tool. I certainly use the the notes um, feature that's come out. And for coaches out there, you can have notes that are hidden so that you can see them in the athlete camp, which is, which is helpful. Um, and then I True. use it when it's not hidden as well. So awesome. We also
2: had uh, comments from coaches whereby they needed notifications. So I don't know if that's launched yet or not but you know athletes were putting notes but the coach would you know just just miss it um so now we're gonna launch notifications to the coach notifying them of a new note um, from an athlete so again another way to make the coach more efficient and you know really at the end of the day create a better quality service back to the athlete
1: Nice. And we had um, we've got a few topics to go over um, that we've had ideas from listeners. So thanks to everybody that posted things on on Facebook. And we're just going to look at a few areas: um, swim, run, and indoor cycling. Firstly, we had a few questions around TSS. Um, so if you're not on Training Peaks, you're not going to know what we're talking about. But maybe um, can you just give us a quick summary of what TSS is, and then we'll kind of delve into both the swim and and running outside.
2: Yeah. Well, there's different components to training stress score. So we'll, we'll inform your listeners and some other metrics as well that, that composed training stress score. Um, so essentially training stress score, there's many ways to describe a workout. You know, I ran for an hour. Okay. Well, how hard did you run? Well, that's intensity. So when we prescribe as a coach, a workout, it's, you know, always has some sense of duration and intensity. Well, TSS takes into account intensity and duration and comes up with a single value number. Um, the range is really from 0 to 100 TSS points per hour. You can, If your threshold is set correctly, you can't ever attain more than 100 training stress score points in an hour. And if you do see that happening, then you should question your, your threshold settings. Um, so then you can start to compare workout to workout and say, "Ah, oh, this workout, um, the same workout will, pr- if you improve, will improve, will create fewer TSS points at the same intensity and duration. That's the entire point to training is you want to get faster at the same, you know, heart rate, let's say, um, so as that happens, you readjust your threshold and now lo and behold, it takes more workload to attain the same TSS score. Again, that's the point in training is to improve. And what was hard in the past is now easy to do today. So it's not set in stone, you know, it certainly changes based upon your threshold settings, but you can start to then look at TSS is, you know, a number on a particular day for a particular workout but you can now start to look at those points in total and kind of tally them up, you know, how many TSS points did I do this week, this month? Um, That allows you to start to compare month to month, year over year. So what did I do in March of 2020? What do I intend to do in March of 2021? And a great way to do that is to look at the total TSS um, accumulation. So it's a great way to kind of um, quantify training. There's so many more aspects to training than than TSS, but it's one great kind of metric for, for athletes to use. And they can compare workout to workout. Um, it really isn't per se meant to, tr- to compare athlete to athlete. You really should kind <clears> of <throat> keep it kind of to yourself, you know, Um, because, you know, my threshold is different than somebody else's threshold. Um, We can't compare at the end of the day, how many TSS points did that aggregate, but I'm not gonna change my training based on that other person's TSS score today. So that's a long-winded kind of explanation, but it's, it's a way to kind of tally today's workout that includes intensity and duration.
1: Now with, um, it's obviously really different between the sports, you know, with, with cycling, right. we've got, um, you know, mo- a lot of people have, have power meters now, you've got speed, you've got a few metrics you can measure, likewise with running. Um, but with swimming, you know, it, it's obviously being supported by the water, it doesn't take such a heavy load on on your body. So how do you kind of work out the, the TSS for swimming? And I will also say that a lot of people don't really know their, their sort of thresholds for swimming, especially if they're non-swimmers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of science behind it. A lot, you know, there's a, a lengthy formula. There's a great blog post on our, on the training peaks blog that Matt Fitzgerald wrote mm, we'll about, um, what was that?
1: We'll, we'll put a link for that in our show notes. Cause I, I, I came across that yesterday and it was a really good explanation.
2: Yeah. Um, it's definitely a lengthy formula which you don't want to do by hand every single day, um, but you know we've incorporated those formulas into Training Peaks. So, you know the first thing to do is go out and you know figure out what your threshold is for swimming, and you know Matt explains that once you have that pace, you know your threshold pace, not power, you can enter that into your zones um, calculator in Training Peaks. And then choose the mat fit or the, sorry, it would be the 80, 20, um, swim zones methodology. And then it'll calculate your pace zones, your swim pace zones, um, based, based on his methodology. Then when you complete your swim, all we really need is the, you know, time and distance, and then it will calculate the swim TSS from there. So. It's you know it's a long-winded explanation. Great read if you're inter- interested in the science behind the numbers. Um, so yeah, that that's a great place to start.
1: And, and likewise with with running, um, you know, in terms of your run TSS, you know, um, the impact of hills and things like that is that um, yeah. does that sort of get factored in? Or, or again, I I'm, imagine you've got some amazing uh, formula in the background. How does it sort of work? You know, as opposed to maybe doing five by half a mile reps on the track versus five by four minute hill reps or something like that.
2: Yeah, you know, if you're doing hills on, you know, like roads, then our calculations will work and they'll take into account normalized graded pace. So normalized graded pace is looking at elevation gain or loss. And it's saying, aha, you went up a 3% climb at an eight, Minute mile, you know, physiologically, that actually felt like a, that's more like a 715 because you're going up the hill. That's taken into account in the run TSS scoring uh, within our calculations. However, when you start to get into trail running and you're going up steep trails, and oftentimes you're doing more walking or power hiking, you know, up a 20% grade, <laughs> you know, that is where the, sometimes the, you know, the watches and the calculations kind of fall apart a bit and they don't really account for, you know, that heavy stress on the body, the steeper, the grades. Mm. So I saw, I think someone post on your, on your Facebook forum, <clears throat> they're asking about this, but they're only tracking heart rate. And in this case, I think that's a really good option. If you are doing a lot of trail running with steep climbs, heart rate is a great way to go because it's so difficult to track pace. Pace is almost meaningless, right? When you're going up mm. some crazy steep incline and you're, you're hiking, um, you might be hiking at a 20 minute mile, you know? So uh, the the heart rate becomes a better gauge of the intensity at that point. So, I have this myself when I do trail running in Colorado. You know, I go off heart rate instead of my, I have a garment on. It's telling me my pace, but it's pretty useless. Therefore, I use heart rate. Um, when I get done with the workout, it will give me an, a heart rate TSS score um, for that run. And I, what I do, I've heard other coaches do this, is for every thousand feet. Gained. So, that's that 300 meters? Roughly, yep. So, for every thousand feet gained within the workout, add an extra 10 TSS points to the HR TSS. Nice. <clears throat> so, I certainly do that myself to account for that added stress. And a lot of it's more about the stress of the downhill and the uphill, right? Mm, mm, mm. So, if I do, you know, 3000 vertical feet in my run, I'm going to add 30 extra points to the TSS value. Nice.
1: Very good. And the the last area we had a question on was, um, just around indoor cycling zones. So, you know, for, for non-training peaks users, you know, you can, you can set a session as a cycling workout, you can set a mountain bike workout. A few people are asking whether or not there'll be the, the ability to have a, um, an indoor trainer sort of uh, workout because some people's zones are different in terms of their indoor zones versus outdoor zones if they're on a different type of bike or they've got their power meter reads differently inside versus outside. So, I guess, what's your sort of response to you know, indoor cycling zones?
2: Yeah, you know, the way we look at it as this is a much bigger topic, it's more around new sports in general, <clears throat> not just solving for indoor cycling, but other sports, you know, do you want to add yoga or do you want to add, you know, different types of cross-country skiing or whatever it might be. So certainly we are looking at how to go about building out new sports in the interim, however, not a lot of people realize that you can set custom zones for workout type, um, custom and other. So the workaround currently would be okay, I'm going to do an indoor workout, and all my indoor workouts are going to be of sport type custom. And then you're going to set your power zones and/or heart rate um, zones for that sport type custom. Mm. So, you know, you it might upload from your Garmin or whatever from an indoor trainings or a Zwift, you know, as a bike. Um, but you could quickly go in within the mobile or the web app and change it from sport type bike to custom and hit save. And then it will reference those indoor training zones that you set, um, against the custom workout type, for example, um, then that kind of, that certainly would solve for it. Hmm. Um, another way, if you are actually If you want to go beyond that and on the dashboard, set up unique, um, dashboard charts, you can actually tag workouts. And a lot of people don't know this, but in the web app, you know, you might have two bike workouts, one in in indoor, one outdoor, you can create a tag indoor and then start tagging all your indoor workouts. Then when you go to the dashboard and you look at charts, you can create a custom chart and it could only pull workouts with the tag indoor for example. Nice. So those are, that's a really cool feature. Again, a lot of people don't know that's there, but you, you can take advantage of that. Um, so that's, that's a couple kind of nifty workarounds until we come out with, and when we come out with new sports, it's not going to be one-off. It'll be you know, you can add speed skating or whatever you want. <laughs> nice. Very good.
1: Um, now, before we came on, we were just discussing with you what you've, you've been up to. And just explain this. Um, you've got a skiing event that you're coming up for that you're training for. Maybe just explain that because we're both Devin and I are intrigued coming from New Zealand where we don't really have anything like that. There's a few oh. places you can cross-country ski, but really there's probably a handful of people in the whole country that do it. So maybe explain this event you're training up for.
2: Yeah. Well, I am mean, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm an endurance athlete. I started out as a cyclist. I was pro for 12 years. <clears throat> um, and I live in Colorado, so I've always loved skiing. So it just became really natural to kind of pair the two together. And there's a sport that's growing rapidly, especially in the States called ski mountaineering and we call it skimo, S K I M O for, for short, but effectively it's You're running uphill with skis on It kind of looks like a cross country ski, but they're super short, really narrow. You have lightweight carbon boots. You have full range of motion with your ankle and you're like speed walking uphill and the way you have traction is you have on the bottom of your ski. You have this, it's called a skin and we call them skins, but they're mohair and they look like pieces of carpet (laughs) essentially when you put these on your skis so you can have traction, but they only have traction one way. So you can go forward up the mountain and you are just running or speed walking up these huge climbs, you get to the top and you, you rip off the skin off the bottom of your ski, you lock out your boot, lock out your heel, and you're in full downhill Alpine mode. It's not Tully or telemark skiing. Like some people might know. This is a a locked heel with a fully rigid boot and you just charge on the downhills and you go as fast as you can down these, um, ski resort mountains and, you know, races around here, either have like a one hour race, like a two and a half hour race, or then the longer ones. So my, I have a, a race next weekend in Aspen. It's called the power of four and it's 26 miles. Takes me six and a half hours usually, then it's 12,000 vertical feet of climbing, and you have to summit all four mountains in Aspen. Um, So that's for the last probably six years, that's been my number one sport that I train for. But at the end of the day, it's just trail running or mountain biking, it's just the endurance bug of you know, getting a threshold going uphill and then bombing down the backside and, and enjoying the day and back in the woods. And, um, it's a growing sport. It's, it's awesome here to do in Colorado. And a lot of, um, runners and triathletes are actually kind of picking it up. Tony, um, or sorry, Tim DeBoom, you know, I see is out doing it. Um, I know, um, uh, ryan bolton you know um there's there's some kind of bigger names that kind of work it into their training as well and um it's a great it's a, it's a great fun fun sport sounds awesome we're yeah, so cool. cool
1: just doing those peaks yeah yeah work it oh guys if you want to check out all the stuff go to trainingpeaks.com uh check out what they're up to and Dirk, as always thanks heaps for your time yeah.
2: yeah yeah thanks you thanks guys that was great yeah good talking to you jumbo your thoughts
1: Yep, I know there's a lot of athletes out there who use Training Peaks, I know a lot use um, other platforms as well, but I really just wanted to try to get some of those terms defined and just try to help out you listeners with a few of the questions that you had, if you are sort of really want to go data driven in terms of your CSS and your TSS and um, all that sort of stuff, then hopefully that's helped a little bit there.
0: Okay, uh, you can go to trainingpeaks.com if you're if you not already on Training Peaks. Okay guys, let's do one of the Week! I'm going to oh, say... no, you're not oh. saying I've got a number already. This yes, like, last week. I know, but I've got another one. Oh, it's related
1: on. to last week. Okay. Wait, so wait. last week we did number 100 yep. because we had 100% record against Australia in the cricket. Oh, we did the same again? <laughs> and the netball. <laughs> well, no. Uh, we, did, we didn't have a 100% record. We won the series. Okay, yeah. So I'm going go to go thirty-two. number 32 because we won the cricket th- uh, three games to two. It was a five-game series. Okay, 32. So, Ron, But hey, let's just also,
0: while we're digging into Australians, we won the netball. So did you watch netball?
1: I don't watch netball, but I, I watch the highlights on the news. Oh, it was an g- awesome game of sport.
0: Yeah. Go with the go the silver ferns. Uh,
1: Roman Gissar took it out. He is in 32nd place. He did 17 hours and 11 minutes training, two hours 32 minutes of swimming, eight hours and 39 minutes of biking, five hours 58 minutes of running. So he did a bit of everything. That was off 13 activities last week. So good on you. 17 hours and 11 minutes training. He is from. He's from Teniano Spain. in the Canary Islands in Spain. And that's he's that's even got a website, garceleromaine.com. Yeah. He's an endurance purist. Well, I think he's pretty good
0: because I've gone to his website and you go to his
1: section and he's got, since then I've
0: been in podiums and long-distance triathlons in the national circuit and the top team in international circuits. 2019 was marked by injuries and burnout and year 20 suggests sabotage by international
1: struggles. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it seems like he's a bit of a beast. Let's have a look, 2018, he finished 19th at Challenge Riccatoni and 4 hours 20. Oh, he did the vontu Man, nice work, it was a half Iron Man. Uh, Where's he got an Iron Man? He's mainly 70.3s, mainly 70.3s. So, he's done the vontu Man a couple of times, done the Extreme Man, he, he does all these epic ones. I tell you what, he's in every Strava club ever exists. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not joking,
0: like... So every line There's five lines And it's probably He's probably in Four Two hundred Shava clubs
1: Yeah There we go Back in 2015 He did uh, Nine hours 59 I think it was his debut Iron distance race At Ironman Nice It's not too shabby When you go sub 10 In your first race Yeah it's pretty good Nice work. So, Román Garcán from Spain, you are our Wanger, wanger of, the of the Week. week. Questions
0: w- and answers. answers. Now, a few weeks ago we were talking about, is uh, it Adrian Moimoy Foyfoy? Adrian F- Foyfoy, F- Foyfoy F- Moimoy? Yep. Foyfoy Moimoy? And we're saying, whatever happened to him, well, good old Andrew Roberts said, well, actually, he's still playing. Yeah.
1: So he's, he's over 40 now. This is Foofoo Moimoy. He's a rugby league player. This is only really relates to Kiwis and Aussies. He played for, was it the Raiders?
0: No, the, the Eels. I think oh. it was the Eels. Yeah. Uh, and he's still 40. He's still still playing. He's played over 200 appearances in the NRL for Parramatta Eels. Yep. Before moving to England in 2015. So he's been doing six years. And so he's probably played another 100 games or so. Yeah. That's impressive. Those guys, you know, you look at these guys who are, you know, being an athlete is a tough thing. But being an athlete in a context sport.
1: So for, for non-rugby league viewers and americans canadians you guys that don't really know the sport like rugby you've probably seen rugby rugby league you're basically running at a wall of players oh, and you just it's I just run it. straight at them and you just tackle them and no pads Especially had, because stuff. he's
0: he's he's like a forward so he would have yeah. been doing the yards mental just you think the body mm. you know but hey still we had it good on you adrian you're my favorite person today John swim
1: set. where is i i don't see you swimming here oh, well, i've, I've just, got to oh. i just added this before i thought I've Gotta do my swim set. Oh, I'm excited. Uh so we we're down at Waltham Pool. At this, I got peer pressure. I said I sent out a message to a couple of you say, I'm done with this Tuesday morning swimming. It's getting too cold. It's dark when we start. It's almost dark when we finish. Do you and well, I've got the freedom I've dark, got the freedom. You uh you can do. There's a there's a light and then they have some little flashing okay. lights. Uh, and I said it's getting too cold. I can swim during the day. I'm just gonna swim during the day. And then I got peer pressured last night into doing it. Pretty happy that I went along because the pool was nice and warm this morning. Stars in the sky. It was pretty cool. Me and Nicole in the lane. A couple of other fellas in the other lane. The swim set was, we started off 600. We were going 100 free, 100 drills, 100 IM, twice through. That was our warm up. 4100s bands only. Love a bit of bands you, only.
0: You, you do. Every week you say, you say, I love a bit of bands only. <laughs> I <laughs> love a bit
1: of bands only. Nobody else does, but I do. It's great for developing your catch. And then our main set was 400 metres moderate. And then one length easy. 300 metres moderate, two lengths easy. 200 metres hard, three lengths easy. 100 metres hard, four lengths easy. And then we repeated that set. It's about 3.5k all up. We're in a 33 and a third metre pool, So it was a good swim. I felt best I've swel- felt in ages. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty happy with it. I actually turned up. What are, you, what are you ready for? I am doing a sprint distance race in 20... 20- no, 19 days Here we go if you, if
0: you could get an entry to Ironman New Zealand I know you're not going to do But mm. what do you reckon time you could do If you just like right now You get an entry You've got three weeks What do you reckon you put off
1: I Man New Zealand course Pretty, sh- pretty th- I think I'd be sub I'd definitely be sub 10 Yeah um, but Somewhere it would, between 9.30 it would su- Yeah, it would probably be closer to 9.45 than 9.30 I think Yeah Um. Yeah I mean, I, when I go out and did I did a Olympic distance Iron uh, a, a Olympic distance simulation with Tyrone the other day. Uh, but it just was when Man was supposed to be on, and I was riding at Ironman power, which is 235 watts, um, and heart rate's pretty good, but just legs cannot handle it. Like I was after 40k, I was like a bit pooped. Uh, if, so if we
0: can if we can manage to scheme you an entry. Would
1: you do it? No. Go on. No, I've got no... Because you don't have to worry about
0: Melinda because it's three weeks away. I'm not
1: motivated to do it all. And, and it's the same weekend as my sprint, so... We could say, yeah, who cares about a sprint when you can do an Ironman? <laughs> That's this kind of malarkey that comes out of long distance that people... I was discussing this with a 16-year-old <laughs> yeah, in think, I think training last night. <laughs> <laughs> he was going why would you want to do that short stuff when you can do the long? I said the short stuff is harder than the long stuff. And Greg, well, no, Greg, apparently not. You Greg don't Greg do Jones, uh, the short stuff's harder than the long stuff. But Greg Jones was there, he said, the hardest thing I've done is a 5K race. It's miles harder than doing an Ironman, uh, and I totally agree. The, hard, the short stuff is great for you. Uh, I love the long stuff, but Come you've got to be in the right frame of mind. If, I've if i can got zero your, interest. If I can fundraise your
0: entry, because you you'll have to get an entry. If you pay me $20,000, I'll go and do done. it. Done. Lock it in, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had twenty thousand dollars.
1: It's the same. When we're in Kona, I've got zero, mo- when we're on the sidelines, oh, yeah. zero motivation to do it. But once you go, yep, I want to do it, then it's, then it's totally different uh, ball game.
0: Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons.
1: Sam, the wild one, Walls.
0: He's a good man, he is. Uh,
1: Peter, the insider, Colson. Michael, don't back down, backer.
0: And then we've got Tom, the distinctive, land um, John we've got uh, if you want to get show emailed to you just go to imtalk.me it's on there you can also become a patron there thank you to all the patrons when you become a patron you get a gift but you, more importantly you support the show uh, coaching coachjohnnewson.com for my podcast I released an episode yesterday with uh, American fitness professional uh, bevanjamesiles.com is where you get that. if you wanted to send us some content it's gmail.com, age group
1: of the week cool websites and stuff like that John you goss Pretty stock down a week last week, although low motivation last week, just, you know, when you have those weeks... I never do. I never, oh. I
0: never have a low motivation. Like, I, 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 always, my, I always talk about this kind of idea of what's your baseline, mm. you know, so what's your baseline level of activity? And for me, it's, you know, it's kind of, but I, and I it's pretty, I think one day, since my operation, I didn't do the exercise when I was meant to. Mm. Yeah, I'd never have that.
1: Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just low motivation for everything, it was just like, Doing this work for for being at a different level—that's probably not going to happen. Oh, this is wasting okay. my time. Yep. And then I was just getting pissed off. And uh, but back on it, just good when you have a low motivation week. I still got shit done, which was which was good. Outside of that, Bevan, just getting uh, pumped to get this race done and dusted this weekend. Watching the Black. Have you watched the Blacklist? On um, I think th- I think we're about ten years behind everybody else. Do you know what? We watched the first episode, and it didn't get us. Oh, but we we are too harsh. On shows Because mm. we quit after one episode Courses for courses isn't it You've recommended a few things And I've watched them And I've got This is just oh, Rubbish That's not, that's not true <laughs> This <Everything>. is bullshit <laughs> Watch Your Honour I guarantee you're like that Your Honour <laughs> Your Honour Right yep. I'll, I'm going to put this in my show notes yep. here Your Honour And I'll give you Belinda's feedback as well Yep She'll say Bevan you're a genius As always and What, what we'll platforms,
0: give... your Honour on? I think it's on Neon
1: Oh, you're going to make me pay for this shit!
0: Well, no, because <laughs> what you do is you do a little bit of you do a little bit of Netflix because
1: you get all the series after a while, then you're on Neon for a while. I tell you, what, <laughs> I did watch the cricket last week, Bevan. Oh, you pay for Neon? Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> so I'm thinking, bugger it! I'm going to watch this. We've won the first two games. And it went downhill. And I thought, I'm on it. I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to watch these games. Luckily, went on there. You got a seven day free trial. Oh, that it out well. And then I'm watching it, going.
0: Bloody Bevan, cocksucker Bevan. Oh, it's <laughs> it's Bevan's fault.
1: fault. You're wasting my time. I'm on here and I've watched two games where we got absolutely smoked. Yeah, they pulled their pants down. Yeah. And I was just like, this is a hard watch. And I was like begrudgingly thought, I'm going to watch this last game. And hey, we smashed Bevan's going to get it if we don't get oh, this. A, do you thank me now? I don't thank you. That yeah, last game was, was nice. uh, that was a, that was a pants pulling down in the other direction. Yeah, it, it was, was. solid. It was an interesting series. So that was good, Bevan. Watching, uh, the, the problem with, Blacklist, it's eight series long. I th- I think we'll be done at the end of series two.
0: Well, we're loving the American office. If you you want to watch the Ricky Gervais office. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well the American one is, is just oh, as good. Really? Yeah, it's it's actually it's different because it's the same premise mm-hmm. and the, the main character's an yeah. awkward, difficult character. But um I've watched a bit of that, I struggle with it. Oh, I love we, we love it. We've fallen in love with it. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Your Honor, there you go. Your Honor you have a
1: that is, Any, a, I've got what, old I'm Talk yeah, on, I top on today, long sleeve action. F links and coffees of Hawaii and try-buys. Well, the interview we're doing next week, Um, I went back and we've interviewed the guest, I went back and it was 2008, interviewed him in show 107, 108. So I'll go back and have a quick listen, wonder, wonder what we sounded like back then. <laughs> and Bevan's go. welcome to episode 108 <laughs> of I Am Talk. Yeah, um, John and I did today's show over Skype, and the recording didn't work. Oh, really? (laughs) And so here's just a couple of interviews that John did.
0: I remember remember the first time we interviewed Melina, and I'd only really just met Melina, I knew he was a legend, but I didn't really, you know, I hadn't really spent much time with him, and he came around to the old studios at St. Martin's Road, and he came around, and it was real nice, and, and we did this interview, and for some reason it just was correctly is Yeah. And I probably spent 12 hours trying to get it. <laughs> I was so gutted. I did put it out, but it was just... Not good audio And I was just yeah. so good Because uh, we had I think our first person Of note Was Karen Balance Yep Back in the day you the other day And, uh, and she, she was by Nine in New Zealand A couple of times So she was mm-hmm. a pretty good athlete But when you get Melina mm. You know Legend of the sport And I think it was Our second big interview And and it was just A total disaster I mean It was absolutely <sighs> heartbroken uh, no, I've
1: got all right. Right.
0: Oh, no I was Oh I was going to ask How's Tommy going In high school
1: Great Yep It's all good Had an athletics The other day No he's going alright Girls right. coming in the thing now um, not really on his radar. I think they, they are on other people's radar, but yeah. not, not yet, no. Not yet. Oh. Bevan, what's your your exercise? What's your you're your cranking it? I've I've um there's gonna be the, the there's gonna be a half Ironman man again in October this year. Gonna be I've just got an email the other day and we're gonna work towards well, the Oxman. No, like a, a simulation like we did this year, sort of a Kona weekend simulation. You've got uh, you've got a few weeks to get yourself ready. <laughs> if what I ever about?
0: do that again, I've had to train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was I did my calf, I did my back, it made my back worse. It, it wasn't a good time for me, John. Uh, what have I oh, yeah, I've been training? I've been doing lots. Like, like, so you know what I used to do when I was, when I first started in fitness? Is every week I do a fifteen minute interval and it was like thirty seconds max, thirty seconds off times fifteen. Mm-hmm. And I jumped on one of those assault bikes. Out Ever done that?
1: Assault bikes.
0: Yeah, so it's one of those bikes where it's it's basically you can It's has no power gauge. You just basically go on there, and it's arms and legs. Oh, right, yeah, yeah and mean. it's kind of got the wind kind of like yep. yep. um Oh, jeepers! I was dying. A good <laughs> in a good way. You know when you just absolutely <laughs> and so that's probably the first intense session I've done. Keep reading my my medieval book. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you did not want to be alive. So it's from nineteen the thirteen hundred to fourteen hundred. Disease. So in World War One, guess how many people of the population of Ang- or England, UK, died? Don't know. Yeah, enlighten us. 1.6%. In mm. the plague, guess how many died? Quite a high percentage. Nearly 50%, I think it was. Mm. And the thing about the, the plague, which is really fascinating, was it was only like a one-year period, but then they had lots of plagues in that century. Mm. So then about five, 10 years later, they had another plague which killed 15% of the population. Mm. Imagine that imagine like in the next year you know, like I know we're in this kind of crazy COVID time and, and obviously some people are going through some pretty tough stuff but 50% mm. you know and I actually reckon it was quite a big influence on what happened in society after the fact because the class system although the class system stayed on it was you know it changed after the fact mm. I'm loving the book is called The Time Traveller's Guide to Medieval England I highly recommend if you like a bit of kind of you know just something that's a bit factual other than that John my other goss is the band's playing live on Friday night. Right. We're playing live. Yeah. And, and we're not just doing our old couple songs in front of another band. Mm-hmm. We're playing the whole set. Right. Yeah, And and now we're not getting paid, but we are getting yeah. free beers. And yeah. I don't drink, John. Yeah. So they'd better be giving me free Coke. For better. Because because one time, years ago, my mate Jeff did one of those boxing matches. Mm-hmm. You know, the charity boxing matches. Mm-hmm. Great night. And we thought, Jeff's doing it. We're paying for the table. Yeah. So we paid. I don't think it was like 200 bucks a head. It was mm-hmm. it wasn't pretty expensive for someone like me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, went along Put on the feast Right by the great spot mm-hmm. And All oh, the alcohol you drink And I said oh, I just want some coke And they said Oh, you got to pay for coke <laughs> So <laughs> I I'm, like, I'm like Pick it up <laughs> <laughs> I paid like 200 bucks You give me and like, Everyone was drinking wine and, it, it was yeah. all going like that. and so I did I did I did complain yeah. I said Can I speak to the manager and yeah. the manager was pretty reasonable He said yeah fair enough mate So, yeah. <laughs> so the band's playing I, I've been practicing all week One of the things I had to do In the last period of time With the piano playing John Because I've always played sitting down mm-hmm.
1: And as a live performer Gotta get up there and be Elton John and get all, yeah, well, I suppose gotta, he sat down you know, but, he, but, he does
0: sit down But you gotta, you gotta have some bit of, bit of display of your energy yeah. Now so in the last four months I've been practicing standing up mm-hmm. Now first you, I look like a stiff candle mm-hmm. Like I literally just look like this Yeah People love this In the podcasting Yeah But now I've started to move I've started to bop Mm. My facials I'm not quite sure About the facials yet that will be dark Yeah but you're still Going to have some facials Yep So it's Friday night I'm slightly nervous But Mm -hmm. first performance You've got to do these things
1: John You do If you want to sell out Billy. Can't be there I've got a a shindig To go to myself Where where, where are you going to shindig Just a a wedding anniversary Where is that yeah, and Rickliffs. Oh, yeah, I'm Rickcliffe's as well. <laughs> right. <I'll laughs> take the whole crew down then. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up, John. I'm Russ. i don't Train know. hard. Train smart.
0: Kia